Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back into another edition of Brewcast. Luke Yardy here along with Chris Castiani, Anthony Broom. We are back. It is game week. Notre Dame, Michigan coming up Saturday, September 1st. Fellas, I got to say, it's good to be back after the hiatus. Yeah, I think we needed it, honestly. Uh, we, we started the show in, uh, and this is nobody's fault, but we started in a little bit of an awkward time where there wasn't, I mean, we had the NCAA tournament, but then once you finish that and the kind of the emotional come down from that and then football kind of went into its quote unquote submarine for the off season. And quite frankly, it's, it's not, wasn't an off season where I wanted to talk about Michigan football because I just wanted to see it. You know, I was done, done with the hype, done with all those things that play into it. Um, none of it was self-created by them. Um, so I give them credit for that, but honestly, Jim Harbaugh had his kicked off game week with his Monday press conference uh, earlier uh, today as we record. And that was for me kind of the, the kickoff of what football season is here. I mean, they they play a game on Saturday. It's, it's a couple days away and uh, excited to be back alongside you guys to break it down and, and toss, toss stuff at the wall and see what sticks in terms of the takes. So uh, glad to be back. Yeah, same here. I mean, uh, it, What's so strange is there's so much build up all the time to every college football season. And uh, yet the season goes by so fast every year. The season goes by so much faster than the off season does. And uh, now all of a sudden, after a couple months where it really felt like nothing was happening, uh, everything's going to kind of happen all at once. And I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to move real quick once Saturday hits. But, I mean, you, you know, you mentioned, Anthony, that we started at a, a bit of a weird time. But we did get to uh, see Michigan make a nice run in the NCAA tournament into the national championship game while we were doing the show. So that, that got our feet wet a little bit. But I, I'm really looking forward to this season, and I think we've got some great shows all season long coming. I hope so. That's why uh, the the old host of this show was fired, and someone new was brought in. So, um, <laughs> so to speak. So, we'll uh, we'll see where it goes. Like I said, I'm I'm, I'm ecstatic to be back. Uh, you know, don't uh, ring the siren on me or anything. I'm going to be at the game on Saturday. It'll be my first trip to South Bend, uh, and I'm I'm extremely excited for the season. So, um, good or bad, 
whether they they go eight and four again or they they win it all, I'm just glad it's back because sports are a barren wasteland uh, in the state of Michigan right now. And even bad football to me is like bad football. Even when it's bad, it's still good because it's it's football. So um, I'm just glad that we're we're finally here. So on this episode episode of Brewcast. We're obviously going to preview the Notre Dame game coming up on Saturday. Some things that we want to see. We're going to give some bold predictions, but before we get into any of that, we've got to address, you know, the elephant in the room, kind of the dark cloud over the start of this season, and that is the news about Tariq Black. Anthony was over, shot some video today, uh, the Jim Harbaugh press conference. He's going to be out some weeks with a fractured right foot, the other foot, um, than the one he injured last year. And guys, obviously, Tariq has been so hyped, had such a good such good performances in the first three games last year until he got hurt in that Air Force game, um, led the team in receiving. And he, he's surely going to be missed, but at the same time, you know, the good teams have the next man up mentality. Well, let me say this. Anytime... There are two sides of the coin to this one, um, and and it might be even more nuanced than that. But when I look at this Tariq Black news, it's one of those things where I look at it as a guy who, mind you, he's only played what two or three games in his career, and then you're like, oh well, you know, the old uh, the old adage is that one of the best abilities that you can have is availability, and, and if you can't be out there, then you can't really be counted on. But at the same time, you know, this is a guy in those two or three games that he played was the best wide receiver that Michigan had last year. And he had one touchdown uh, reception, which was 33% of the touchdowns that Michigan's wide receivers total were scored last year. So it's like you lose, you lose what looks like your best wide receiver. And it's, it's one of those situations too, where if this it's, the blow is a little bit harder because the depth there, I'm not going to say that the depth is thin. I, I think I may have used that term yesterday on or earlier this week on social media. Thin isn't the right word uh, with any college team. It's more unproven. I mean, you have guys there, you have scholarship guys there, but it's a little bit less of a cushion now because Kakoa Crawford just transferred. Eddie McDoom just transferred. And now I know those guys were never great players, but those are guys that have made plays and we had seen them make plays before. Now it's, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who um, still very raw, needs a lot of work. I think he's an athletic is and as talented as any wide receiver in the Big Ten. But, you know, those kids that come out of the Detroit Public School League, they just, they don't, it's not a knock against the coaches, but they don't get the, the sophisticated route trees. They know, you know, they return punts and they, they run straight down the field. They just use their athleticism to get open. So um, that's a question mark. Nico Collins, I mean, he's built like a lot of people say that he's built like a Greek god and he looks the part, but we haven't seen it. He was on the field last year at times and still it wasn't, um, you know, we just haven't seen him perform. And I know people always say, oh, he looks great in practice. All these guys look great in practice. Every, everyone, have you ever heard of a player that that just doesn't look good in practice? I mean, everyone looks great in practice um, that you hear about. So, um, you know, those are the two guys I think that have the, their their work most cut out for them because I think in an ideal situation you were going to have Collins and Black on the outside and DPJ doing some work out of the slot where you could create some mismatches and you didn't have to rely on the uh, you know the the precise route running you know maybe get matched up on a linebacker and things like that but uh, now that's where Nico's got to step up DPJ's got to step up Grant Perry that guy's a senior um, he's got to be reliable. And we'll see what some of these other guys can do. Oliver Martin, um, Nate Shanley is a guy that uh, is getting uh, quite a bit of love. And even Ronnie Bell uh, is is someone that, you know, people rave about his athleticism. So the bodies are there, but it's one of those things where I look at it and, you know, I, I have question marks now. You're a little bit less, feel not quite as good about the offense uh, that I did a couple days ago. Even if you didn't feel great about the offense coming into this year and you still just wanted to see it, Anytime you lose a guy that was projected to be one of your better wide receivers, that hurts. And, and the good teams find a way to overcome that, especially when you recruit um, as well as as Michigan and some of these other national programs do. So you don't make excuses, but uh, yeah, where we sit here today, it, it, it feels 
it's it's a bit of a downer, especially after this, the same injury on the other foot last year. So, Chris, yeah. when you first heard the Tariq Black news, what did you think? Well, I mean, no one was happy to hear it. It was obviously it it is incredibly unfortunate. I feel bad for the kid, and I think as Michigan fans, we were excited about Tariq Black because he was the only receiver last season that we actually saw perform at all, who looked like uh, you know a, a guy who was going to be a big-time receiver, uh, even if it wasn't those three games. Uh, to me, I'm not as uh, worried about it as some people, just because I think – I think there's probably more talent receiving-wise than some people are giving Michigan credit for because similar to some years like I, last year offensively, especially from a quarterback perspective, uh, or I'm sorry, from a, a, a receiver perspective, was like 2008 where you, you, didn't, you had no idea how good the receivers were because they never had a consistent guy who was throwing the ball to him. They never had a, a quarterback that was worth anything. They could have had some great receivers on the team uh, who, who could have made plays, but they never were given the opportunity. So, like, I I think a lot of people, because uh, – and I think a lot of it stems from mainly his, spe- uh, his special teams performance, dropping some punts. I think a lot of people are really down on Donovan Peoples-Jones. I don't get that. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be really good. Um, and he's going to have to step up. Obviously, Collins will fill in. But you know, people forget, too, uh, how much Michigan has used their tight ends over the last several years. You know, uh, And they have two right now in Gentry and McKeon that I think are looking like they're, they're going to be solid go-to guys. That No, they're not number one receivers, but today's uh, football world tight ends are – have become more and more a part of the passing game, uh, as have running backs. So uh, it's it's a tough injury. It didn't change my game-by-game game predictions. I, I don't think that – there wasn't a game I saw on the schedule where I said, okay, well, with, with Tariq Black gone, that, that W is now an L. I, I don't really feel that way. I, 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 um, it stinks because I think the guy's a playmaker and uh, – that for whatever reason, uh, this this team just can never seem to have uh, be at full health, or they just seem to have some bad luck. Um, that was more the frustrating part. But uh, o- overall, I, I don't think uh, it, things are never as bad as they might seem, and I think this is one of those cases. Chris, I think well, yeah. you bring Chris, up a, you a, bring a good up point a good in the point sense in that. The sense that um, you mentioned, you mentioned the wide receiver talent, talent and not getting to maybe make plays in the past, whereas this year, and I don't want to, you know, hop on the the anointing of Shea Patterson, you know, as the next greatest quarterback of all time because we haven't seen him in a Michigan uniform. He, he's done well in the SEC, but it feels like Michigan's got a quarterback that can make receivers look good. Other And in the past, it's been the receivers were relied upon to make the quarterbacks look good. So I think the roles are reversed here. And I think your, I think your point there about some of these guys maybe getting to make plays when they didn't get to in the past, I think that's going to come true. No, I mean, I, 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 I think you bring up a good point too. I think you bring a good up, uh, a good point up too, where, you know, you have a quarterback who, and, and I wrote about this a little bit earlier. I think, quarterback obviously is a huge variable in all this because you don't I think the floor is definitely higher there and we've talked about that before um but you know you have a guy now where uh, if if this kid is as good as you think he's going to be you know in Shea Patterson you know those types of guys create weapons around them too um you know you just build chemistry with certain guys you know depending on who the quarterback is or, and uh you know Wilton Spate and John O'Corn were never really there. I can't really say either of those guys ever developed a go-to guy um, because no one really performed well, but you know, who's to say that, uh, that Grant Perry doesn't, you know, I think he's solid. Uh, I don't think he's anything spectacular, but he's solid. He's, you know, a guy who's been a, a contributor for four years. Um, so that there's something to be said about that. And people's Jones is a guy that has as much, like I said, as raw athletic ability as, as any of the wide receivers that they brought in. So 
Um, I think the biggest thing to me is now that, you know, it's not, it's not, it's one thing that they're, they're going to have to be technically precise and things like that, better out of their breaks and their routes. And, and, and the early returns are that Jim McElwain has, has been great with these guys and has really helped and, and gone a long way. Um, you know, those guys know that they didn't, they didn't do enough last year and, and they, they have used that. And I think enough of a reset button was pushed with the staff and some of the things that they've been doing that um, it is kind of a fresh start for everyone. Uh, but again, with a guy like Shay, you're going to, he's going to go through really what you want him to do is, is he's going to go through his progressions. And if something breaks down, you need wide receivers that can just go up and make a play. And I still think that the, they have guys that can do that. So um, losing black hurts and, and he may not even be out the entire year. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's quote was just some weeks. Um, you know, if it's a foot fracture, that's a, that's a six to eight week injury. Uh, so you're looking at, Maybe he comes back for the stretch run. You know, if they maybe a late season heroics against Ohio State or in the Big Ten title game, or if if that's even a thing. Um, so I'm not writing him off completely just yet. Um, you know, we won't really know until he they know if he needs surgery or not. But um, they have, like I said before, it's a concern, and and you can be worried about it. But um, you know, good teams find a way to overcome that, and you just have depth that you've stacked for days. And I, I still think that there are some guys there that are um, as bummed out as you are about, about the injury. I'm excited for the guys that get an opportunity now. So we'll see what they do for them. They'll either sink or swim. And if they, more of them sink than swim, they're going to be in trouble. So that's kind of where things are at right now. And wasn't, Correct me if I'm wrong here. Wasn't Nate Schoenlein getting a lot of love from a lot of the players and coaches in camp? Yeah, he's been a name that people are, have been bringing up. Uh, like I said, I haven't, I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him play much. So it's one of those things where we could talk about it all you want. People are talking about how great Nico Collins has been. People are talking about how uh, Zach Gentry looks great and, and how Shea looks great in practice and, and all these things, but. Until I see it, we'll see what happens there. Now, the thing about Notre Dame, and we're going to talk about that game soon, but you know, this is one of those things where I don't have any, you know, in terms of what I expect to see. I think really all you know about this team is that, like I said before, I think the floor on the quarterback room is higher, and you know that the defense is going to kick ass. Other than that, it's anyone's guess as to what this team looks like in terms of the depth chart. And, you know, they've only, they only really lost a few guys on each side of the ball. But um, so we think we know what they have and we think we know what their potential is, but, you know, with limited um, amounts of time to like, really there was only just the open practice. He didn't get a spring game. It's one of those things where, and I'll say this, I know we'll, we'll probably segue into this here uh, in a little bit uh, as we, you know, if you want to talk about Shea or something like that, but, I also think it's very telling that every year um, that Harbaugh has been at Michigan, we've seen this quarterback battle, whether it's was whether they truly were ever battles, but we would always see them go right up until the first game of the year. Mm -hmm. uh, they may have been decided in house, but you would see you know, nobody knew for sure that Jake Rudock was going to start at Utah until he took the field at Utah. Nobody knew that Wilton Spate was going to start that first game against Hawaii until he trotted out there against Hawaii. And then we thought we knew that Spate would start um, last year, but even until he trotted out there against Florida, you weren't sure. I think it's pretty telling and sort of something a little bit different that we haven't seen from Jim Harbaugh before, uh, at least at Michigan, is that two weeks before the game, you named a starting quarterback, and, and we all thought it was going to be Shea, so it's not like it was shocking. But you publicly said it two weeks before the game, and then five days before the game, now, mind you, this is a guy who's always been big on gamesmanship and doesn't give out depth charts and things like that. Five days before the game, you're opening up the doors to Michigan Stadium for a free open practice. I think that's pretty telling about how comfortable they are with this football team right now. I mean, I hope you're right. You know, I, they, he, I, I give him credit. I mean, he has done things differently than in any other year that he's been at Michigan and hopefully that is a, that's a sign of confidence. You would hope that that's a sign of confidence. Um, and, and just to kind of uh, go back to a point 
uh, Luke made about the receivers and about Patterson and e- even something you said as well, Anthony, is I think back to, uh, you know, when Jake Rudock came to Michigan and there were a lot of questions about how good the receivers were, uh, how good is the offense going to be. Well, it turned out the receivers were actually pretty damn good by the end. You had Chesson and Darbo and obviously Jake Butts tight end, but still you had some, you know, really good uh, guys that, didn't get didn't get the opportunity because Gardner and some of Shane Morris the previous season were terrible. I think that uh, we we could have a similar situation here. I think that there's um, going to be some forgotten guys who are going to step up. Um, the and, and as long as Patterson is competent, which I, I there's really not much reason to believe he's not competent. Uh, I think they'll be fine, even with the loss of uh, Tariq Black for some weeks. One more point I want to make on this before we move on to the Notre Dame game, especially with the receiving core, you know, is that for the first time under Harbaugh, as far as I know, at least last year, this wasn't the case. They have a full-time receivers coach in Jim McElwain. I I think that is going to make a a tenfold difference. I think this is going to be a completely different receiving core. And I think the talent is there. Like Chris said, the only thing that I'm somewhat alarmed about, and Anthony mentioned this is the loss of Kakoa Crawford, the loss of Eddie McDoom in in the terms of depth, because football as, as we all know is a brutal game, a brutal game on the body and you need some depth. But Chris made a really good point in the sense that I think the use of the tight ends is really going to cover up for the lack of receiver depth, but I think the top end talent is there, and I think they're finally being coached properly with a full-time receivers coach and an overqualified one. I know some of the Mays and Bruce staff would not agree with me in in thinking Jim McElwain is an overqualified receivers coach, but I think he's going to make a huge difference for this group. Yeah, and I think the thing about Jim McElwain, too, is that say what you will about the guy, whether you like the hire or not, how much his role is in the offense, what have you, but it's a former head coach that you have on your staff, not even as a coordinator, he's a position coach. And um, so, yeah, he absolutely is overqualified. So do my expectations raise for what I think the wide receivers should do? They absolutely do, because I think you have a guy who's got plenty of experience there coaching them and, and they did need that. They did need a coach to give them that one-on-one training. Um, and I'll say as the offense as a whole, uh, before we get into kind of this Notre Dame thing, um, it seems like at least uh, Ben Bredesen spoke to the media after Jim Harbaugh talked on Monday. And he said, I didn't catch the whole conversation that he was having because I was bouncing between a few other players. Uh, but he said something along the lines of, they feel a lot more confident about the offense this year because the playbook is is simplified and they're another year older and wiser and and the concepts are a little bit easier to pick up. So I think a lot of the problems that you look at Michigan having, and especially at wide receivers that those guys, you know, you're asking freshmen, you know, freshman players, Donovan Peoples Jones and uh, Nico Collins and Tariq Black, you're asking them to come in and run an NFL route tree. That's just not, that's not practical, especially, you know, a guy like DPJ comes from cast tech and um, he had one play. He ran go like you just, go run with the football. That's all you have to do. So that, that really, I never thought that was really fair to them. And if you watch the Amazon series, that's, it was pretty apparent that almost everyone on the offense was in over their head. So, um, but those guys, uh, the quarterbacks are gone. The, the coordinator is gone. So I think enough change took place there where they, where they feel confident about it. And, and Grant Perry said to the media, you know, on Monday as well, you know, there have been times where, They've uh, they've been given the defense some fits a little bit more than they're used to in practice, and Don Brown has had some has been frustrated. And if that defense is as good as we think it is, I mean that's um, and again these are just we talk about the the hype from practices and things like that. This is just he said she said, but um, if we take their words at face value that they're kind of giving the offense a little more trouble or the defense a little more trouble. That's a it's it's a positive sign. I don't think it, I really don't think it can get worse. And I'm knocking on wood here, but I, I don't think it can get worse than it did last year offensively. And the numbers pretty much bear that out. So um, lost in all of this as we talk about the offense is that really, with as good as that defense is, and as as good as we think it's going to be, you really just need to be average. I mean, you don't 
you don't need to go out and put up 40 points a game. But if you put up, you know, 21, 24 points a game, you're going to be in pretty good shape and and we'll see what happens. But um, I, I like that this Notre Dame game opens up the year because what it does is it allows you a chance to see what you are right off the bat. I mean, there is no easing into this season. You're not opening with Western and SMU. You get those guys the next couple of weeks, but this is not a, you know, this is not a training wheels type of game. I don't think Notre Dame is, is really that good. And quite frankly, I think they're pretty overrated, but uh, Hey, it's, it's put up or shut up time. It's, it, they're not being babied into this season at all. And um, I, I expect anything less than being, I don't think I'm setting the bar really high when I say that they need to just be average on offense. I, I think that's actually pretty fair. Uh, and if they, if they fail to hit that bar, that's a problem. Chris, any more thoughts on that? Not really. No, I think he, I pretty much agree with everything you said. All right, so we are moving on to the Notre Dame game coming up this Saturday. Going to be a night game, 7.30 at Notre Dame in South Bend. Finally here. Um, we were talking a little bit, you know, off air a little bit, I guess we, we would call it in, in podcasting. Uh, we don't know much really about either team, you know, as you can tell. It's, it's purely speculation at this point. We're really only using what everyone is saying out of camp, you know, but at the same time, I, I think there are things you could take away. One thing for me personally, uh, coming into this Notre Dame game, obviously everyone is going to be concerned about the offensive line because it, it was a disaster last year. It was, it was straight up a disaster. But with the hiring of Ed Warner, all the offensive linemen are saying everything's simpler, simpler, simpler. And it's helping them. And I think that's a big thing. That's one of the things I think you could take away. Maybe not how good the offensive line looks in practice, but the fact that they all think it's simpler. They're not going to be thinking as much going into the game. They're not thinking as much when the defense lines up. They're just going out and playing some football. Everything's a little bit simpler. And I think we're going to see some improvements amongst the offensive line. And I think that is going to be the thing that propels Michigan forward this season. Or if it's not true, it's going to be the thing that holds them back. Yeah, I mean, I I absolutely agree. I mean, the offensive line has been, uh, along with quarterback play, has been the issue over the last several seasons. Uh, I I know once, much like the receivers, some people are down on the running backs. I, I don't have any issue with the running backs. Really. I think that they have two studs, to be honest. I think Higdon and Chris Evans with a good offensive line and, and with a little bit of luck and, and good health, I think they could both rush for a thousand yards. I think they have that capability. I think that is a really good one to punch. Um, and one thing about Patterson too, with moving on to the quarterback position, uh, one thing that you would think would help the offensive line and should uh, is Patterson's mobile. Uh, he's good on his feet. He makes good decisions. Uh, out of the pocket. Now, John O'Corn was supposed to be the same way, and we saw that worked out. But uh, at the same time, like you said, with things being simpler, um, I think it gives it gives this team a, a better opportunity to win, to, to win football games. And the offensive line is going to be uh, a major, uh, you know, the, it is probably the biggest question, question mark coming into this season, and it's going to be probably the biggest difference maker. Yeah, and I think that the offensive line um, has been not only just below average, I think it's it's been very underwhelming and just not good at all, mm-hmm. um, which is weird because you think about, you know, that offensive line hasn't really been truly great since, what, 06 or 07? But since then, they've, they've put out some, some decent guys in the league. I mean, Taylor Luan was a first-round pick. Uh, Michael Schofield was a, a fourth-round pick. Uh, Graham Glasgow's in the league. Patrick Omame is, you know, a starter in the NFL. So they've had guys, but for whatever reason, it just has not really worked out. Um, but I think when you look at a guy like Ed Warner, uh, I'm everywhere that he's gone. He's, he's put guys in the league, uh, especially you look at uh, just that most, you know, I always go back to that Ohio state team that, that he coached a couple years ago. You know, you had, excuse me, um, Taylor Decker uh, was a first round pick. 
Pat Elfline was a third round pick. Both those guys are starting offensive linemen. Billy Price was a guy he coached for a couple of years. He was a, you know, he was a pretty high draft pick. Um, Reed Fragel was a guy that was kind of an experiment that uh, turned out well. He ended up in the NFL. So uh, it's just one of those things where he's cranked out guys, but they've also been guys that at the college level can impose their will and, and help you run the ball to close out some big games. And really to me, I think in all lost in all of this, no matter what you think Jim Harbaugh's biggest issue so far has been at Michigan. I think that biggest issue is the fact that they haven't been able to close out some of those bigger games by, you know, grinding out the clock, running out the ball. You know, if you can run the ball at all in that game against Ohio state at Ohio state a couple of years ago, you don't even go to overtime. I think they only had what, like one yard of net offense in the fourth quarter of that game. And people will say, Oh, JT was short and blah, blah, blah. But you know, you gotta, you gotta be able to run the ball to close out these games. Um, you know, Michigan state game a couple years ago, the, the trouble with the snap game, you know, just, it seems like every time that they've been involved in big games, they just cannot run the football. And, you know, people get all excited when they're able to do it to a clip of, you know, 350 yards against Minnesota or Rutgers, but, against these, these good teams, it just hasn't worked out. And um, I know every time you change strength and conditioning coaches, the, the cliche at all, you know, these guys look bigger and stronger and they're going to be tougher. But I think that combined with the fact that they um, kind of fell into an upgrade on the offensive line uh, with their coach and Ed Warner guy comes in as an analyst just to get his feet, you know, get his feet still in the coaching game. And through a couple of weird coaching staff moves and a Tim Dreveno resignation, he ends up being the offensive line coach, which uh, I don't know if you could have really fell into that a whole lot better uh, if you were Michigan. So you have a guy like, like Warner that comes in, you have a former head coach in McIlwain that, that is uh, like I said, I, I expect big things out of the wide receivers, a guy in uh, uh, Sharon Moore on the offensive staff who, uh, helped a guy like Tyler Conklin get to the NFL uh, at Central Michigan and someone who's regarded as a pretty uh, up-and-coming young coach and a good recruiter. So I think all of the change that they've made has been good change. And it was weird change. It, it was uh, almost sort of struck me as that Harbaugh didn't quite have the heart to fire a guy like Drevno or things like that. But um, now it all kind of – I can't say it worked out for the better because we haven't seen it yet, but I – We've talked about this before. I think all of the changes they needed to make, they they were able to accomplish. Now I know we can kind of you know laugh at the uh, uh, the wanting to get bigger and everything like that, but I, I do think there was some validity to that. And did what did you guys make of the before and after photos? I mean, it's always impressive, you know. It's a, it's something that uh, you look at. It, it's hard to look at any any of those and be like, man. I don't know. I'm not feeling too good about that. I mean, it's always impressive to know the kids are working hard. And, uh, but besides, I don't take much out of that. I mean, we've seen, uh, we've seen this type of stuff before where, uh, you know, you, you end up, uh, it ends up turning into results on the field. And we've also seen where it's really kind of turned into nothing, but uh, it's, People love posting them and re- retweeting them and commenting on them because it's not really something that you can be negative about. They always look cool. That it's always an encouraging sign to know that guy seems stronger and tougher. Um, but besides, that, I don't really take much out of it. Yeah, I mean, some of them you're you're actually pretty impressed. Um, but at the same time, these are in a lot of cases teenagers that are like mm-hmm. right still sort of developing. So. T- I don't want to say it's creepy, but it is a little bit weird. Um, <laughs> and it's one of those things too, where a couple of the pictures, there really wasn't much of a difference and maybe like lighting and, you know, a little bit more of a kind of reminded me of there's those, the photos that go around the internet where Alex Jones. God said that damn it. I was just son. about to say that. How did you actually <laughs> think that? We're at the before and after Alex Jones pictures. Um, it's kind of, he's just more red. <laughs> all that it was, but, um, I mean, it's fine. Um, it is what it is. I mean, I've having walked through that, that new field house or the new training center uh, where the students can go lift weights earlier this year. It, uh, if you had access to that every day, 
Like, I think we would look like Greek gods, honestly. So it's one of those things where I don't put a whole lot of stock into it. I think it's a little creepy that, uh, I don't know, I get a little bit creepy vibes out of them posting shirtless pictures because, uh, I mean, this is not it's not Tinder. It's, this is not, you know, dating or anything like that. It's uh, This is football. Uh, I don't care what you look like with your shirt off. I, I care what you look like when you have the pads on and when the lights are on. So, um if you want to put some stock into it, fine. Um, I think with weight changes and things like that, I think that's more kind of a thing for offensive linemen, you know, that, that I yeah. look at. But other than that, it doesn't really do a whole lot for me. For me, it's it's not a whole lot. You know, I, I think it's good, like you said. I just – I love the reaction. It, for me, it was more of like, wow, we really need football to get here because Michigan mm-hmm. Twitter was all over those pictures I, I do put a little stock into the weight game especially for a guy you know like Khalid Hudson who, who gained like 15 pounds because if he can keep his speed and put on 15 pounds of pretty lean muscle like that can go a long way in staying healthy throughout the the duration of the season but it was like wow September 1st just it, it cannot get here soon enough mm-hmm. so looking at Notre Dame a little bit uh they're kind of in the situation that Michigan has been in literally since Jim Harbaugh took over the last three years, not knowing who the quarterback is going to be. I really, really think Jim Harbaugh actually like always had a really good idea of who the starter was going to be day one, just didn't like to leak it to the media unlike this year. But I legit think Brian Kelly has no idea who to start on Saturday. Yeah. Um, my, uh, and not to jump too far ahead, but my opinion of how I think this game is going to shape out has been almost exactly uh, how I felt about the Florida game last year. Where I went months, where, the months where the season was over and I wasn't really thinking about it, where I just kind of assumed, okay, first game of the year, Florida or first game of the year on the road against Notre Dame, I kind of just assumed that they probably weren't going to be favored and they were probably going to lose. The more I look into it and have looked into it, I think the only thing that maybe worries me a bit is going on the road. But I think this is – I think Michigan's defense is going to eat Notre Dame alive in this game. I mean, this is. I mean, it is similar to uh, Florida last season, where Florida didn't have a quarterback. They played two or three of them. I don't even. Well, I mean, you could argue they played zero, but they attempted to play <laughs> two or three different quarterbacks in that game. Uh, they consistently went backwards the entire game. Uh, that we should have known that that Michigan team was in trouble offensively last year when they only won that game by what, like sixteen points. Well, we're down fourteen to three at halftime, and that was thanks to two pick sixes. Like Florida didn't score an offensive touchdown in that right. game. That game had the the look and feel of a forty five point game, uh, and I, I don't think that it's gonna. And but in score wise, I think we might see something similar again this year. I, I think that Notre Dame offensively is too young. Uh, they're too. They they've had too much trouble uh, over the last couple of years. Or let me repeat that: Brian Kelly has not had a lot of success against Michigan either. Um, and they they lost several guys to the NFL offensively. Um, like I said, going to South Bend will be tough, but. And it's a good test for Michigan. But I think, like we saw last year, uh, we're going to see Don Brown's defense flex its muscles. And um, I kind of – I saying they're going to make a statement, might make, it might be a, a bit of overkill just because I – for one, I don't know. I don't think it's possible to make a statement week one because we don't know how good these teams are. You remember two years ago when Texas beat Notre Dame in overtime the first week of the year and everyone declared, Texas is back, Texas is back, and it turned out Notre Dame fucking sucked. 
and uh, Charlie Strong couldn't coach his way out of a paper bag. Like it was, it, it, or at least at Texas, it, it, it was, it, it, it could easily be something like that this year. So I'm not going to say that they're going to go out there, but if Notre Dame turns out to be remotely good, it could be a win that we look back on and say, Hey, it's uh that was the beginning of something special. The way that, you know, beating, uh, uh, beating Colorado back in 97 was, you know, it, so um, that's that's kind of what I think. I think Notre Dame's good. I think they'll hang with them in the first half, but I think Michigan's defense uh, is going to be too overwhelming. I, I think this is going to be the best Michigan defense they've had since the 97 team. Well, Phil Steele projects Notre Dame to start three sophomores on the offensive line, including left tackle and right tackle. Like that, That's a recipe for just complete chaos for that Notre Dame offense. Right. And, and Michigan, Michigan has guys around. I mean, like Rishon Gary, if he could have probably would have gone to the NFL after last season. And I, Winovich, we, that was awesome to see him come back. The more I talk, the more I think about, the more I talk, I think they're going to just steamroll these guys. I, I know we're sorry to be jumping ahead, but I'm, 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 Excited to find to to see it. Um, I I I kind of I hope that uh, it, it it's a no mercy game. I doubt it will be, but uh, I think this is just a good matchup for Michigan. Anthony on Saturday, you know Michigan. They go out, they play. What is one thing you're looking for that you want to see from the this Michigan team? Well, I think the biggest key, uh, really, to any road game, especially in a, you know, it will be a hostile environment, and these two teams haven't played in a while, and and I think that the the thirst to get them back on the schedule together is there. Uh, do, should they play every year? I'm not so sure. I think maybe two on, two off would be a good way to go about it, um, especially with only three non-conference games now. Uh, going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but to the people that want them to play every year. I would say maybe they should push for Notre Dame to join the Big Ten then, uh, because realistically, that's where they should be. I mean, they should be playing teams on the East Coast. I mean, they're from Indiana. Uh, they're right near the state line. Um, they should be in the Big Ten if they're going to be playing in a conference. But they, um, they just they never will, though. I, I they won't. Yeah, they won't. I know it's me wishful thinking, but um, you cannot turn the ball over at early in this game because that would be a scenario where. I think everyone's feeling pretty good about where things are at right now, at least in house. So you go out, you're a Michigan program that has not won. Have you, do you guys realize that Michigan has not gone on the road and beat a ranked opponent since 2006? That blows my mind. 12 years. That absolutely blows Um, my mind. I mean, it it blows my mind, but when you really think about it, like what, what has been the most impressive road win that they've had in the last 12 years? I mean, at Minnesota, the first the first year with Wilton Spate um, coming in for Jake Rudock. I mean, other than that, I can't. Uh, you know, they've had a couple of close calls at at Indiana. But yeah, I mean, those were good games, the, the, but they weren't impressive. The two, the two teams I just named are not very telling into you know impressive road victories or things like that. So, um, yeah, it, it's been bad, and I, I don't. I think to just get that monkey off your back would be huge. Now, mind you, we're getting to a point now that's 12 years ago. You, those, the guys that are on the team now were seven and eight years old. So they don't really register this as a stat. And someone asked Grant Perry about it during the availability. And he's like, honestly, I had no idea that was even a thing. So it's not like that's something that's weighing them down and that it's that they feel pressure, but it's one of those things where like, man, even if Notre Dame ends up sucking this year, like I, I think they probably will. Cause I think you brought up a good point, Chris, about how you feel. It's a lot like that Florida game last year. I could definitely see that being the case, but just, just to go on the road to a place like South bend where, you know, the press box shakes when, when people cheer that, that would be a big deal for them. And just to start on a good note, I mean, you got to go two and one against your rivals this year. And, and whether you Notre Dame is a rival, um, I'll put them in that category. Mm-hmm. That's where everyone's putting them. Um, you just get that one. Oh, you just, 
you got to find a way to split between Ohio State and Michigan State from there. And I think both of those teams have their fair share of flaws. But when I look at this Notre Dame game, I think that defensively they will be able to stifle Notre Dame. I think it's one of those things where they're switching, you know, they're, they're talking, they're going to play two quarterbacks and they're going to go with the hot hand. And, you know, we're going to try to get both of those guys in there. We've heard that shit before, yeah. like around here, as soon as last, you know, as recent as last year. So it's one of those things where I know it's the oldest cliche in the book, but if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. And, and there hasn't really been a whole lot of conversation about, you know, Michigan trying to get Brandon Peters or Dylan McCaffrey or Joe Milton, any snaps like they have their guys. So their Notre Dame's defense is good, uh, especially on the back end. But it's one of those things where, again, you just get to that threshold and you don't take care of the football and just score touchdowns instead of settling for field goals. And I know football boils down to that as a sport in general, but uh, just do the little things right and get out of there with a win and, and feel pretty good about yourself going into going into the year. It's it's a tough schedule, but um, they play, I think, six or seven top 15 games, or I don't even know what the stat is, but um, it's one of those things where they're not, they're going to be favored in almost every one of the games they play. So, I expect them to win almost every game they play. And if anything less than, you know, I think anything less than about 10 wins this year would, would be disappointing to me. And it would kind of be, let me say this about the year in general. And like I said, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but when I look at this team, whatever you do this year is what you're going to be as a program. Because if you just go out and win eight or nine games this year, guess what? That That's what you are. And you are, you are the third best team in the East and, and it's going to stay that way because you know, the, the, you just got to go out and get the job done. Uh, it's I'm not going to hold Jim Harbaugh's salary against him. I'm not going to hold recruiting rankings against them. Um, and I'm not, you know, if they win nine games this year, go nine and three, 10 and three with a bowl win or something like that. That's fine. I, I don't think that you need to burn the house down and fire a coach and start over. I think that Jim Harbaugh is, is very much the right guy for the job. And, um, I just think that whatever you do this year is what you are as a program. And, and that's going to be pretty telling. Chris, I'll ask the same question uh, to you. What do you want to see from Michigan on Saturday? Uh, I want to see a quick start for one. I want to see a lot of energy. That's something that uh, I've, I've been critical of, especially uh, in, uh, uh, rivalry games that I felt like Michigan hasn't uh, come into games with the same energy as their opponents. Uh, I, I want to see uh, the first couple drives offensively. You know, I don't need I don't need to see them light up the scoreboard, but I want to see get some first downs. You know, maybe have, maybe have a guy run a curl route, get a first down off of it. You know, I I want to see uh, the offense start simple and expand, uh, and I I I don't want uh, the one thing that I think can kill you in road games, especially, are big plays. Um, something that can get uh, the crowd immediately into the game. I think that can uh, that can kill you. As good as this defense is, uh, there were points last year in which. Uh, out of uh, out of nowhere, they would uh, there'd be a, a 20, 30 yard pass play. Sometimes on third down, like against Ohio State, that would be a, a backbreaker. Uh, if they give up a a, a big run or, or or a big a play action pass play early, that gets the Notre Dame crowd into it. Uh, you know, it could be bad news. Um, so I think the the most important thing to see for me early on is get off to a quick start. Getting an early lead, it's obviously it sounds simple, but I think it, especially going up against a young Notre Dame offense, that is so important because um, Notre Dame will start to press. They, they, they'll uh, start to get afraid knowing that they're going to have to play from behind against what is uh, going to be one of the most talented defenses in the entire country. Um, so, so start hot and uh, – and, and and as cliche as it sounds, uh, keep the foot on the gas. 
So before we move on to the bold predictions uh, for the year, I will also answer this question for, about what I want to see. And, and personally for me, it's something as simple as that this coaching staff has done something to utilize Shea Patterson's unique skill set in the offense and not just keep banging your head against the wall. And I understand the rushing attack is going to be great. I love the power football, but I also want to see, and I'm not going to use a buzzword. I'm not going to say I want to see a bunch of fucking RPOs. Like I'm getting so sick of everyone saying that, but I want to see, you know, some, some spread looks, maybe some read options with Shea, just something that, tailors to his unique skill set you brought him in for a reason don't just make him try to fit the mold of every other quarterback that has played for Jim Harbaugh yeah I agree yeah I mean to me it's all about not putting the square peg in a round hole which is you know we've seen that not just with Jim Harbaugh and I think that he's done a pretty good job overall working to the best of his ability with what he has but um what my fear is and until I see differently is that, you know, you see, it just reminds me of when Brady Hoke and Al Borges come in and you try to turn Denard Robinson into a pocket passer, yeah. Devin Garter into a pocket passer. Um, this staff is far more competent and, and way smarter than that. I, I think that you're going to see the shotgun stuff. Uh, you're going to see a little more, um, you know, spread mixed in with the pro style. They're not going to go away from the pro style. Um, but I think that they did need to throw some different looks in there. And I think that, that Jim Harbaugh was pretty receptive to that, um, those changes that were made. Um, so I think it's really just about adapting to the personnel that you have, which um, at times I don't think they did a well enough job with that last year. Obviously we talked about with, you know, the young receivers running these super complicated route trees. Um, Pep Hamilton, if you, if you saw the Amazon series at all, they show him up in the booth calling plays and, you know, you had these play calls that were literally like 20 words long, like spider X, Y, seven banana uh, shotgun option, left, right, X, C squared. It was like a, like a, that's like a Nintendo, like a Nintendo cheat code from back in the day. Like yeah, up, left, yeah, right, up, down. Up, yeah. Up, yeah. It was outrageous. I could not like, I don't know how NFL guys pick up on stuff like that. I mean, you, you see NFL, like that stuff I expect to hear, see like, Drew Brees saying on like NFL films, like during a playoff game, not like John O'Corn saying in a huddle full of like freshmen and sophomore skill players. So um, it's all about, you know, I think when you you talk about what do I want to see? I don't, I'd like to see this coaching staff, not poop its pants in a big game really is what it comes down to. Because even, you know, they've done a great job in, in certain games. Like last year, I think the game against Ohio state was, even in a loss, maybe one of the best coach games that they've had, because right until the very end, you had that team on the ropes with John O'Corn, who I think is, you know, as, as bad a quarterback as, as Michigan has had in a really long time. So, um, but then, you know, you think about the, the Blake O'Neill game uh, at Mich- you know, the Michigan state trouble with the snap. You don't have guys, you got guys out, you know, as out wide as gunners when nobody's there. And, um, you know, Ohio, the game at Ohio state, you run a, a play action pass in your own end zone. That's picked off and returned for it to, like just weird stuff like that. Like that's on Jim Harbaugh. We can't see that. I mean, you gotta just, just feel out the game and, and things like that. Don't, I think where this team gets itself into trouble is that they try to be the smartest, uh, you know, guy in the room. And at times there are some absolutely gorgeous play calls um, that, that we've seen from them. But there are other times you're like, what what are you doing like I, I just don't understand so um I think for me a fast uh, I don't even need to see a fast start like I just need them to when they go out that first time move the ball a little bit like don't go three yeah. and out don't even go like six and out like if you just you know you start on your 20 you cross midfield on the road just you need to have a couple plays to gain some yards here and there so that crowd isn't just like into it the whole time so mm-hmm. um that's really what I'm looking looking most forward to. So real quick, I want you guys just quick prediction. Give me a score and a winner. Chris, you first. I'm going to go. Yeah, this might seem like a lot. Maybe it is, but I, I, I'm going. I'm going 27 to 10. I, I, I think it, it'll be a game that's closer than the score might indicate. 
but uh, I, I just don't see Notre Dame moving the ball uh, with any efficiency. And I think um, I think Michigan's going to have at least two drives in which they start off, if not in the red zone, close to the red zone because of turnovers by the defense. So um, I could be wrong if I am. Uh, well, then we're off to a bad start. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I like Michigan to win this pretty handily, actually. Anthony. Yeah, I, I would uh, – I sort of feel the same way. Uh, I don't know about a bold prediction for the game. Um, I think that if you want one, um, Shea Patterson throws a pair of touchdown passes and runs for another one, doesn't turn over the football. There's a bold one for you. Uh, I think that Michigan probably – I feel like this is a game they should win by at least a touchdown. Um, again, I have nothing to base that off of because the last time we saw them play games that mattered, it didn't go it very well, and they kind of choked it out. But um, you know, I don't have a very high opinion of, of what Notre Dame brings back this year. Um, I don't think Brandon Wimbush can throw the ball. Uh, so it's one of those things where you know, if, if I think he's going to be the guy that, that plays most of the time, so it's one of those ordeals where you keep that guy one dimensional, you know, it's, it's going to be a long night for Notre Dame. So um, I don't think that they'll be phased by the atmosphere. I think even really the only time that Michigan was way out of its element last year was at Penn state, which was a night game. And you're yeah. going up against you know, a guy who ended up being the number, number two pick of the draft at Saquon Barkley and a Heisman contender. And it was just, just kind of too much. Uh, I don't think that anything that's, th- that will be thrown at them will be too much this year especially with their quarterback, you know, he's played games against now, mind you, he hasn't done all that great, but he's played games against Alabama and LSU. And um, as good as the big 10 is, they don't have any defenses like that. That aren't Michigan's uh, Ohio States is, is very good. But other than that, um, I think that uh, I think this is a game that you see Michigan win by seven to 10 points. I'm going to agree with you guys. I think Michigan wins, which might actually be a bad omen for the Maze of Blues chances on Saturday, but I think it's going to be a 24-14 score. I actually think Notre Dame's going to get a cheap one with good starting field position due to a Michigan turnover deep in their own territory, uh, whether it's a fumble or an interception. Just one of those ones that you sometimes see on the road, but I don't think it's going to haunt Michigan whatsoever. I think they are going to win 24-14 because for a good majority of the game, that Michigan defense is going to absolutely shut down Notre Dame. So want to move on to bold predictions for the whole year, just moving past Notre Dame. We got that out of the way. Just bold predictions for what you guys think for the rest of the year, the entire year. Anthony, I'll go ahead and start with you. Whew, man, put me on the spot right off the bat. Um, uh, <laughs> we're going bold here, so I'm going bold. I think that uh, I think this team – we'll find a way to win at Ohio state this year. Um, I think that, um, love it. If it's love gonna, it, if, if this is going to be the year, if, if it's going to happen, this is going to be the year. I think that, um, Ohio state is kind of entering a period in time now where this is, this could wind up being a transitional phase for them. Cause I think well, we're not really going to get into it, but I think this time next year, they're going to have a different head coach. I don't think this urban Meyer stuff is over. And, um, you know, and maybe you lure a Bob Stutes out of, out of retirement or something like that. But, um, you know, I think that uh, outside of that first game that those two teams played against each other, uh, that first year under Harbaugh where they, they still had Zeke Elliott and, and Jake Rudock ends up getting hurt. And that game just kind of got away from him. I never really thought that um, the score of that game wasn't really indicative of, of how it went. I thought most of that game Michigan played it pretty tough and they were just kind of in over their head um, kind of like that Penn state game uh, from last year. But um, other than that, they've been right there uh, the other two times, obviously, uh, you know, you were a, a stuff of JT Barrett short away from, uh, from being there, being in the big 10 title game a couple years ago, you were, you know, who knows um, super close to doing it last year. It's like, this is the year to do it. And it's, you know, I don't think there's, there's no reason they should be afraid of, of any of the teams on their schedule. Um, but I think more so Ohio state is, I think this is, I think they'll get it done this year, but I feel like I've said that, you know, every year for the last five years or so. So they've been close. Though. They've, they've, they've been close. Like you weren't well, that far I, off. 
some point you just got to get it done. I will say this. Um, I think that uh, this has a chance to be the best and most talented defense that, that Don Brown has had and, and that Michigan has ever had. So um, that would kind of be another one, but that's not that bold of a prediction because we, we know what those guys can do. All right, Chris, give me, give me a good bold prediction. Okay. I, I was, I was trying to think of one. This uh, here, here's mine. I think Rayshon Gary for most of the season, if not all, will be in the discussion to be invited to New York for the Heisman ceremony. And but I think Chase Winovich will be voted team MVP. Okay. Okay. Me and you I know ex- that, that might not make a ton of sense, but if people remember uh the year Matt Leinert won the Heisman at uh, USC, Reggie Bush won team MVP. I think that there's going to be uh, – I think Rayshon Gary is going to have a uh, Jadavion Clowney 2012 type of uh, season this year. But I think the heart and soul of that Michigan team, especially the Michigan defense, is Chase Winovich. Uh, and I think he'll be uh, probably the – the sentimental uh, favorite to be team MVP, but I think Rayshon Gary is going to, is going to wreck havoc this year. Me and you actually have very, very similar bold predictions. Chris, uh, I said this last week on my, uh, my radio show. I think that my bold prediction for this year is that Rashawn Gary is going to have a miles Garrett type breakout season and be the number one overall pick in next year's NFL draft. It's really possible, man. Yeah. I thought at the end of last year, uh, I mean, he, he's he been good pretty much all the way through. You know, the it, from pretty much day one, you knew he was going to be a special player. But I felt like near the end of last year, especially the Ohio State game, I remember, uh, he was just a monster. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think he's going to be uh, – he's probably the, the player to look out for defensively. Man, oh man, did this get me excited yeah. for Saturday. Same here. This got me more excited than really anything else over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, it's 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 feeling real. And, and it's so weird because for an offseason that we've spent so much time speculating, this first game, we still know very little about either one of these teams for all the speculation that's happened. So um, it's time to just settle it on the field. I'm ready. Just think, man, the next time that we get together and we do one of these, Michigan will have played a football game. Yes, sir. That's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> like this, this, our next week's show could go a number of directions. Honestly, it's, it's like uh Seeing the fourteen million and six futures that Doctor Strange. Right, 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 right. I love it. We got it. We got to find a way to keep getting those Marvel references in, even though you know it's been a while since our last show. We got to continue that tradition. Yeah, I think we've maybe done this probably show six or seven. Did we ever talk about Infinity War on this show? Not yet, but I I think that uh, I think we may have to table that discussion. Yeah. because we there that'll be a good half hour at least talk about oh, half you know hour. So, so we that is uh so what that next movie comes out like next may first week of may it'll probably get bumped up a week like infinity war did but That'd be dope. that's that's one of our shows coming out of nca tournament it's, no. that's true we're gonna yeah. have to find a way to we have to find a way to fill the gaps next year we we can't uh we won't go on a three-month hiatus but man yeah. did it feel good to be back so that is another edition of Brewcast here on Maze in Brew. Chris Castiani, Anthony Broom. If you guys want to throw out your uh, your Twitter handles, get you some followers. I know Chris doesn't need them. Anthony, I don't think you do either. Yeah. But, you know, you, we can always use some more. I'll always take more. Yeah. I'm greedy like that. Same. Uh, I'll, I'll go first. You can follow me on Twitter. That's at Castellani2014. That's at C A S T E L L. A N I two O one four and uh hope to see you guys on my feet.
Yeah, uh, my Twitter is at Anthony T. Broom. Uh, like I said, you can count on me for... I'll be at the games on Saturdays, uh, so you can count on me for coverage from from there. I'm not going to be the guy that... You know, you're, you're going to... This is no disrespect to my peers up in the press box, but you probably follow all 25 of them, and they probably all are going to tell you that Shea Patterson uh, hit Nico Collins on a 13-yard you know, crossing route for the first down. They're all going to tweet the same thing. I'm making a real effort to not be the cookie cutter Twitter account this year. So hope you'll follow along with me, uh, follow along with the site. We're going to have some really cool, honestly, a lot of cool shit this year. So um, excited about it. Can ex- you know, I'm going to try and get out to the Monday press conferences with Harbaugh every week. If I'm not there, someone will be. So we're going to, we're going to be represented. Um, and this is going to be a pretty big year for us. And I'm excited to, uh, to, to share it with, with you gentlemen and everyone else. A lot of new blood, and we're, we're excited to have them all around. I'm sure we'll get them all in the mix here at some point. Anthony, just make sure you do a lot of uh, uh, pictures and updates on the press box food, all right? That's that's what I'm definitely following you for. Uh, you, can fo- huh. you can follow me at Luke Giardi. That is last name G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Shoot me a follow. Also follow our show. We do have a show Twitter page. It is at Brewcast Show, so make sure you give that a follow. Give a follow to Maize and Brew if you are not already. And also, make sure you check out maizeandbrew.com all season long for Chris Castellani, for Anthony Broom. I'm Luke Yardy. Another edition of Brewcast Show. We will see you next week. Brewcast.